So it was about a year ago now when we first started hearing the murmurs, at least in Georgia, more and more and more about the coronavirus. And, and I don't know if you remember those early days, but things began to change very quickly. I mean, I remember when, when worship first went online. I mean, we had no plan, no cameras, nothing, you know. It, it, was, it was really quick. Things changed fast. I remember we, we thought it was a big deal when like St. Patrick's Day parades got canceled and it's like, oh no, and an NBA game. And then the flights started to change. Stuff began to change very quickly. And one of the things I'm sure you remember that began to change is what was in stock at the grocery store. So the first thing, it was like toilet paper, right? We didn't know what was going on, but the toilet paper was gone. Then it was paper towels. I love paper towels and that was just annoying you know, but I was like, paper towels are gone, and then it was hand sanitizer and the Clorox wipes and pasta, and then, you know, it was like when it snows and stuff, the bread flew off the shelves, and then something interesting happened. Then it wasn't just the bread that flew off the shelves. It was also flour, and so flour and yeast became unavailable, and, and, and what was happening was people were so scared that the supply chain was going to break down and there wasn't going to be any food and they had no bread. They said, you know, we're afraid of being physically hungry as this thing continues to accelerate. And so we need to get the raw materials so that we can make sure that our physical hunger is met. And so for a while, a number of weeks, you know, there was no flour on the shelves. But then it was interesting. Once bread came back, the flour continued to be gone. It was still hard to find even into April in May, And what was happening was it wasn't just that, that people, as they were originally, were afraid of, you know, no bread. People began to take up bread baking as this newfound thing in our culture. And so on my Facebook feed, people began, you know, posting their sourdough pictures and, and posting that they were trying all this new stuff. All these people who were never like the pioneer woman types started posting things. And so that's how we got these pictures online, these bread fails. Uh, the left is what it was supposed to be. Uh, the right is what it turned out to be as, as people are just trying, you know, like they didn't use the right yeast. They don't know what they're doing, but people were trying. This is banana bread. Uh, somebody posted online. I don't even know what's going on. And this is my favorite. Uh, this is like, I don't know what's happening here, but it looks like a volcano. And, um, you know, this is, this is what was going on. Like people were trying to make bread. They had never done it before. And this kept going. This phenomenon continued, and actually journalists began to get interested of like, what is going on with our culture that people like are just obsessed with baking bread and all of a sudden doing this? And so journalists began asking around like, hey, hey, folks who are into bread, like, what are you doing? And they found there was a number of different answers. One, very practically, people have more time on their hands. And they said, you know, I've always wanted to bake and cook more and it's just never been convenient, so now I can do that. And then some people were saying, you know, hey, I'm on Zoom all day long, and it just feels like at the end of the day, there's nothing to show for my life and my work. So baking bread is like a tangible thing I can do and see something that I've made. Other people said, it's nice to bake bread, to connect with others and to give it away. And, you know, my grandma used to bake bread, and so it's making me kind of connect with her. People had all sorts of different reasons. And then there was one, this was kind of deep, a young woman named Emily Young, she said this. She said, I've been baking so much recently because it helps me have some control and be creative in a frightening world outside of anyone's control. And people were talking about how when they knead the dough, it like relieves their anxiety. 
And so what was happening was, while this first group was baking bread because of physical hunger, this group was baking bread because of something deeper, uh, a different kind of hunger. These were people who were, who were searching for, for peace, for joy, for purpose in the midst of the pandemic. And so they turned to, to baking bread to kind of help fill that need somehow, and people continue to do it. You see, if you think about it, there are two types of hunger. There's physical hunger, but then there's a hunger that's deeper than that. And as we've been in in the Gospel of John, and we continue in it today, the passage we're going to look at, really the chapter, John chapter 6, Jesus, he talks about and addresses these two types of hunger. And he also talks about the two different types of bread that satisfy those hungers that each of us feel. And so when it comes to Jesus and and hunger, the, the first type of hunger he talks about is the hunger that most of us are familiar with. This is the hunger that you felt walking in the worship center today when there was no biscuits or donuts out there in the lobby, right? Some, some people still haven't come back to church because we don't have them. We hope you'll come back. It's, come on. Um, no, not really, but I, I know. We're, they're going to come back one day, okay? But like, you know, that hunger you feel when, when you just haven't eaten in a while. And this is the hunger we talked about a few weeks back when we were talking about fasting, when, when, we're, not ha- when we're not having food, that this pain that occurs inside of us. This is a type of hunger we see in John chapter 6 because to catch you up, if, if you haven't been reading along with us, Uh, At this point, Jesus has been doing miracles. Great things have been happening. He's been teaching as one with authority. People are beginning to hear about this guy, and so they're they're following him, and the crowds are building. The crowds are building, and now they're at the seashore in Galilee, and there's 5,000 men, it says, John tells us. 5,000 men, not counting women and children, are gathered there listening to Jesus. So they're gathered there. They're enthralled. They're far from stores and other stuff. It's getting late in the day. And they're hungry. They're physically hungry. And so Jesus notices what's going on. And in John chapter 6, here's what we find. Jesus turns to Philip and he says, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii. That's like a year's worth of wages. 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to just get a little bit. It's just a crazy number of people here. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Well, there, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. He, he took the loaves, he gave thanks, he broke them, gave them out to people. He did the same thing with the, with the fish. They began passing it around the fields to everybody. And everybody ate their fill. They were all 
satisfied. And after this had been going on a while, Jesus said, hey, you know what? Pass some baskets around. Let's collect the leftovers. And amazingly, you might remember this from the story, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. People's physical hunger was satisfied by this bread and by these fish. And most of you who are in here are familiar with this story. This is one we, we teach oftentimes to the little children. It's one that's preached on often because it's one of the few miracles in all four Gospels. It's a beautiful story, and there are, there are tons of takeaways and things I, I could talk about it. But I want you to just see something very practically in this story about Jesus, and that is that Jesus cares about physical hunger. Jesus cares about people being physically hungry in his midst. And then Jesus provides for the people. It's a very basic truth, but it's one we see here. And and it's still true for us today. Jesus cares about physically hungry people. And he still provides for them. John chapter 1, we read that Jesus was present at creation where our food comes from, the the ground, the soil, all of these things. He is the sustainer of the universe even today. So, So at a level, Jesus continues to provide as he superintends the universe. But at a very practical level, Jesus continues to provide. He has a plan to provide food for people who are physically hungry today. People who oftentimes by no fault of their own, they, they, there's no food in their area where there, there's a drought, there's a famine, there's no food. And Jesus has a plan to provide food for those people today. And that plan is the church, the body of Christ. He has called us to continue to feed those who are physically hungry because he cares about those who are physically hungry. He says, go, Be my hands and feet and feed people who are hungry. This is something we're called to do as Christians. And as a church, we do it. I mean, last year we partnered with a great organization, Rise Against Hunger, that they feed thousands and thousands of people each year. And many other great organizations do this work. This is a calling of the church, but I want you to notice something else here. Notice how uh, a few weeks ago, when I talked about Jesus' first miracle in John turning water into wine, remember that John calls these things not miracles in his gospel, he calls them, do you know, signs. This is one of the seven signs we see in John's gospel, and this sign is pointing to something. Significant. It's a sign pointing to the fact that Jesus cares about physical hunger, but it's a sign pointing to something more. It's a sign pointing to something deeper. And what it's pointing to is the fact that Jesus doesn't just care about our physical hunger. He also cares about our deeper hunger that all of us experience, what we might call a spiritual hunger. Jesus cares about both our physical hunger and our spiritual hunger. And, and as we continue in John chapter 6, I mean, really, really, this, this whole chapter is all about hunger and bread. And, and after these people have their fill of bread, I mean, you know how you are when you've like had a great meal and you're just feeling satisfied and loving life? I mean, that's all these people that they ate until they were full, which is something that might not have been super common for them. 
So they're excited, they're, they're full. You know, people have been saying this guy is the Messiah. He is the long-awaited, anointed ruler of Israel. And they're like, yes, this guy is it. Let's follow him. Let's make him king. And so it says that all of the people began coming up on Jesus and they wanted to make him king by force. They said, look, let's take over the Romans. Let's go, let's conquer it. Let's do it now. And Jesus, he knew he was the true king of the world, but he knew he was a different kind of king. And now wasn't the time, and so he actually withdrew. He withdrew from the crowds, pressing in on him to some solitary time, which we often find Jesus doing. And he crosses over the sea, and as he kind of tries to begin getting away from the people, guess what? The people found him. They found him, they kept following him, that they're pressing in on him. And as we continue in John chapter six, when the people find him, Jesus basically says to them, look, I, I know why you're seeking me. You're seeking me because of the bread I gave you. You're seeking me because of what I can do for you, not because of who I am. And we still do that today, but that's, that's another sermon. You're seeking me because of what I can do for you, not because of who I am. You want more bread. You want more miracles. You want more power in this world. You want all of these things. But what Jesus says here is, I have come to do something different. I've come to do something greater than just meet your physical needs. I've come to give you bread that won't satisfy you for a moment. I've come to give you bread that will satisfy you for a lifetime and really for all eternity. And you can imagine how the people responded. They're like, well, duh, we want this bread. Give us the bread. They're like, Jesus, where's the bread? I mean, you did a miracle before. Like, like we want this bread. We want the bread that's gonna satisfy us for all eternity. And so in John chapter six, verse 35 Jesus says this, he says to them when, when, when they're curious about this bread that he's talking about that will satisfy them for all eternity, he says, I am the bread. I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. When they heard this, the, the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How, does he, how is he now going to say, I have come down from heaven? They're like, look, we know his family. What kind of claim is this? And Jesus answered them, Don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. There he's talking about how God provided for his people with daily bread miraculously in the wilderness. Each and every day 
they got it. But Jesus is saying, uh, eventually, they died, even after eating this bread. This, he says, is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. You can imagine him kind of touching his chest here. Whoever feeds on this bread, he told them, will live forever. And here with these words, Jesus makes a to them a very shocking claim about his identity. This is one of the first seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. As we continue reading, you're going to hear Jesus say, I am other things. But here is the first revelation of his identity. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And he says this because he says, look, I am the one who satisfies your deepest hunger. I am the one who satisfies your deepest hunger. And for Jesus to say this, it's kind of interesting if you look at the story of his life because he was born in the town of Bethlehem, which means house of bread. When he was born, he was placed in a manger, which is a feeding trough for animals. Before he went to the cross, he shared in a meal with his disciples and he broke bread and he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. He took a cup and he said, take, drink, this is my blood shed for you. And from the earliest days of the church, Christians have broken bread together as a reminder that Jesus Christ alone is the one who satisfies our deepest hunger, our spiritual hunger. And, and the people he was talking to, they experienced this hunger in their own ways in their culture. And, and we experience today as well. And we, and we try to satisfy this hunger with a lot of different things. And there was a pastor, Pastor Bob Moorhead. He, he wrote this in 1995. It's, it's kind of a poem of sorts that, that touches on the different ways we feel this hunger today and try to satisfy it. And he, he wrote this. He said, these are the times we're living in, times when we spend more but have less. We buy more but enjoy it less. We have more experts yet more problems. We have more gadgets but less satisfaction, more medicine yet less wellness. 
We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. We have more weapons, but less peace. More acquaintances, but fewer friends. More effort, but less success. These are the times of fancier houses, but broken homes. It's a time when there is much in the show window and nothing in the stockroom. Indeed, these are the times we're living in. And you know what he's talking about, right? You know what he's talking about, this hunger that all of us feel for, for joy, for connection, for purpose, for, for peace, this, this restlessness in our souls that, that we want satisfied, that we want filled, and, and we, we try to do this in many different ways. Sometimes it's baking bread. Sometimes it's buying more stuff. Sometimes it's turning towards pornography. Sometimes it's turning towards alcohol and drugs. Sometimes it's trying to, to, to get this spiritual hunger filled in relationships. And, and what happens is all of these things come up short. Because these are sometimes good things that we try to fill this hunger with, but we make them the greatest things. And they can never satisfy like Jesus does. Because he alone can satisfy this deep hunger within us. And so what Jesus is saying here with this I am statement, he's saying, look, I am the bread of life. I can satisfy, not just for a moment, not just for a moment. I can satisfy for all eternity. Because this bread, he says, leads to eternal life. It's like he, he's saying to them, hey, don't waste your time on all those other things. Don't waste your energy. Don't waste your money. You're going to experience heartbreak. They're going to lead you down the wrong path. I am the one who can satisfy your physical hunger and your spiritual hunger. Feed on me, he says. And this is the point where where it kind of gets weird in the scripture because like people just start leaving him. People are like, this is weird. Like, what does that mean to feed on you, to like eat your flesh and drink your blood? And it says that many people who are following him, all those people who wanted the physical bread, they, after Jesus said all this, they were like, yeah, I don't know, I'm leaving. Because it can be kind of confusing when Jesus is talking about feed on me. But as we, as we look at chapter six, we find what he's saying when he says, feed on me, what, what he's talking about is he's basically saying, believe in me. He's using these, these terms interchangeably, feed on me and believe in me. Feed on me, you get eternal life. Believe in me, you get eternal life. And I think he uses these, these terms interchangeably because what he wants us to see is that believing isn't something we do just one time and then we're good. It's like we don't eat a meal a month ago, and then think, you know what? I don't need to eat anymore. He's saying, believe in me. This is something you do daily. This is something you do regularly. Believe in me. Trust in me. Lean on me for hope, for understanding, for wisdom, for peace, for purpose, for joy. Because when we believe in Jesus, we're united with him. It's like, it's like food in our bodies, they become one. When we believe in Jesus, we experience union with him. And then as we continue to do things like read the scriptures, 
pray, gather together in worship, do the spiritual disciplines, we continue to grow in this union with Christ as we feed on him in many different ways. And and one of the key ways that we do that as Christians is through the sacrament of Holy Communion together. This is spiritual food. It's spiritual sustenance for us as we share in the bread and as we share in the cup our union with Christ grows. And since the earliest days of the church, like I said earlier, Christians have been gathering together, feeding on bread, drinking wine, or as we do here, grape juice, as a reminder that Jesus alone can satisfy that deep hunger that we all feel. When we share in this sacrament, we experience grace. Our faith is empowered. As we come to Jesus and we say, look, I can't satisfy myself. I can't satisfy the stuff I'm feeling. I've tried and I failed. I believe in you. He meets us. He meets us in this place. And he fills us. He fills us and he satisfies our deepest needs. And so this morning, maybe... Maybe as you, you, you hear these words of Jesus and him saying the bread of life and believe in me and you'll experience eternal life, maybe, maybe that's something you've never experienced before. Maybe you've been, you've been consuming all sorts of stuff, some of it good, some of it terrible, but you, you, you know it's come up short. If that's you this morning, I, I just invite you to to believe, to place your trust in Jesus Christ and say, I I need you to satisfy me. I've tried everything else. And I'm sorry, I I need you, Jesus. I believe in you. I want to become one with you. If you do that, you will be united with him. You will begin to experience abundant life like we read about in John, and you will be promised eternal life in the future. So if that's you this morning as we're, we're praying and, and sharing together, I want to invite you to just make that the cry of your heart to Jesus and then, then let me know, let the church know so we can celebrate with you. But uh, many of you, you, you've believed a long time ago in the sacrament, it is, it is an opportunity of, of grace, of growing, of experiencing Jesus' love for you in a fresh way and a reminder that he is the bread of life. So in just a moment, we're going to share in communion together. And you've seen the little uh, little cup and a little chalice with the bread on the bottom and the juice on the top. And so I'm going to pray in, in just a moment. And I invite you afterward, I'm praying to eat the bread, drink, drink the juice, spend some time in prayer at your seat. Or if you want to come forward and kneel here at the front, you can, you can pray up front here. If you're watching online, we invite you to just Commune spiritually with God right where you are. He's with you. He knows you. Say, Jesus, I long to be with you. I long for that union and he will meet you and he will grow you. And in our church, we say you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of any church to receive communion with us. All we say is if you seek to love Christ, repent of your sin and live at peace with one another, you're invited to share in this meal of grace 
together. And so would you bow your heads with me for a word of prayer? Jesus, we need you. We need you like we need physical bread. We need the spiritual bread that only you provide. And and Jesus, we come we come with repentant hearts this morning for all the ways that we've looked to other people and other things to satisfy this hunger inside of us. God, forgive us. Forgive us for the things we're thinking in our hearts and our minds right now, for the ways we have failed to turn to you to love you and to receive full satisfaction from you. And and Jesus, as we turn to you, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your ministry that we read about in the Gospel of John, your ministry of healing, of teaching, your ministry that, that gave life and brought the kingdom of heaven here and now. We thank you for the new covenant that you have made with us. We thank you that night in which you gathered with your disciples and you you took bread, you gave thanks, you broke it and gave it to those you loved. We thank you for the cup which you distributed to them and said, drink this. This is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. We thank you that as we share in this bread, as we share in these cups, that you continue to draw us closer in union with you. We thank you that you continue to strengthen our faith. You continue to forgive us. We thank you that you continue to reign with God on high. And so as we remember all that you've done for us, we remember that you have died, you have risen, and that you will come again. And we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us, on these gifts of bread and wine before us this morning. And we ask that you would make them be for us the body and blood of Christ and that we might be then the body of Christ for the sake of the world, God, that you might send us out to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to help those who are unable to live the full life that you desire for them. God, send us out as your church and use this meal to draw us closer to you, closer to one another. Use this meal to satisfy our our deepest desires and our deepest longings. Thank you for your love and for your grace. And we ask all this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, I invite you now to share together, share in the bread. like prayer for anything going on in your life or if you'd like to pray for Jesus to, to come in and, and you want help with this, this prayer belief, I'll be over here. I'd love to love to pray with you. You're invited to come here. Continue to pray in your seats or stand and sing and worship with us as we continue.